0: You may be seated, and kids may head off to Camp Pointway. By the way, our kids are working on something for next Sunday. So there's, they're working on a special program for us. So be praying for the leaders and the teachers back there to have patience and as they're preparing for that. No, we're not in Corinthians this morning, all right? just Just make that announcement up front. We're in Luke chapter 1, so we're going to head there. Um, we're gonna, as we're working towards Christmas and all the preparation, I don't know about you, but doesn't it get kind of burdensome sometimes when you have all that work to do? Some of you moms, you know, right? all the gifts and all the preparing and travel and all those things that go with it. Um, sometimes we can lose our joy. joy uh, Joe mentioned that this morning about joy. right? We can lose our joy in just celebrating the, the here and now, is celebrating, sometimes even celebrating the process. And now I've got to work at that, and sometimes I lose sight of that. Um, it takes time, it takes preparation to get to that point. And as we we're coming up on Christmas, there's a lot of things that had to happen before Jesus was born. And there was a lot of scripture written, there was a lot of getting things ready, and we're going to take a look at this morning, something that had to be done ahead of time, some preparation even before Mary became pregnant. So we're going to look at chapter 1 this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about John the Baptist. Yes, I'm going to talk about John the Baptist. I always kind of feel bad. I think he kind of gets left out in some ways, right? Because And, and rightfully so. We, we celebrate and we focus on Jesus. But John the Baptist had to come, and he lived his life, and he lived it for the Lord, and he had a, a message to give as well. as so He prepared the way for Jesus and so we're going to look a little bit at that this morning and part of that preparation for the coming king. So if you have your Bibles, if not, the guys are already good they I already got it up there and again, I'm, Ike I'm not picking and choosing, but I start in verse five because there's a lot we're going to try to cover this morning. Luke chapter one's a, a large letter to do all at once, so we're going to skip a couple parts, but we're going to start actually in verse five to get it going but remember Luke writes this as a record for us, right? Luke's primarily written to Gentiles, so it has a lot of Gentile language in it. Um, Also, because he was a doctor, it has a lot of details. Now, Luke wasn't there, but he talked to a lot of the people that were there. And so he got his facts from them, compiled it, and put it all together. And you may say, well, all right, we have Luke. We also have Matthew and Mark, and, and then there's John. You know, why are they all telling roughly the same story? Well, the the key titles you know that because they had different audiences that they were writing to. And if you've read through the Gospels, you know that Matthew has a lot more the genealogy, it has a lot more the tradition, it's got a more Jewish flavor to it. And so the Jews had to understand that. And again, they understood the feast, and so it had some different significance than us as Gentiles would have. Mark was written to the Romans, and again, has a different flavor to it. Um, I like Mark myself if I'm studying one of the Gospels real quick because it's kind of the bottom line. right? It's like point by point. But again, it's written to a different audience. And then John doesn't cover the birth as much, but John covers the relationship, the love relationship. So it gives you a little idea of why the Gospels are written. And actually, when you can take them all together, it gives you a really great picture of something that's vitally important to us as Christians, so the Gospels are, are dear, and it's always good to go back and look at those from time to time. So Luke writes this, and again, the details are here. And so let's look at this this morning, starting in verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abadah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, Observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, here, and they were both well along in years. All right? Some interesting facts here, right? Yeah. Again, the Gospels written this was before Jesus comes, so again, it's it's still under the temple, still under the rule, and we have this priest who has been faithful. Right? I love what it says here about him. Right? It gives us. This uh, picture, just a little glimpse of who we were. They were both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Now remember, when Jesus comes, this is not the case, right? Temple's been in trouble. Things have not been going well. So to to make this statement long before Jesus comes at this in-between stage is kind of neat, right? These are some good people, but... Elizabeth is barren. She doesn't have any children. And again, in the Jewish mindset, if you didn't have children, then there's a problem. A lot of times they would say, well, you're being punished by God, or you're not being blessed. You're not doing something that's right. But the scripture here clearly says, no, they they were blameless. They were doing things right, but Elizabeth just didn't have children. Again, we, we can take some prescription out of that, because right sign of children is not necessarily a sign that you're being blessed or cursed. It's, it's not dependent upon that. But again, that was the mindset of the time. And so Luke puts that in there, especially to let us know that, hey, it's not because of anything they did. It's just what God was holding out for them. Right? Does this sound vaguely familiar? Is there another couple that don't have children that are getting along in years? Come on, come on, somebody. There we go, there we go. Sarah and Abraham, yeah, yeah. I knew you guys knew. I just, just man, pull it out of you. I don't ask rhetorical questions. Nothing's changed, it's because we're in a different book. No, it's all good. Once, when Zechariah's division was, was on duty, I'm picking it back up here, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing in the right side of the altar of the incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. All right, just a little side note here. Pretty much almost every time we hear someone sees the sight of an angel, there's a little bit of fear, right? Why do you think that is? It's out of the ordinary, exactly. It's not normal, right? We don't, you know, sometimes it would be startling if we see something that we can't explain, something that we don't know. Um, And certainly he wasn't expecting anything coming out of his normal duties, right? He's there, his lot, you know, it, it just happened. No, God doesn't just happen things, right? It was part of the plan. But an angel appears to him. And he's standing right there at the door, and he speaks to him. And again, he's gripped with fear. Again, you'll see this theme if you read through the the story, right? Elizabeth is going to get an angel call. Mary's going to get an angel call. And again, the common, the normal response is fear. Again, it's the unknown. We don't know that. It's not normal. 13, you said to them, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Right? It's a pretty good message, right? Angels are used to, to give those divine messages, and so it gives it to him. And again, Zechariah has been praying for it, and God answered. Does that ever happen to you? You ever pray for something, and then God all of a sudden answers it, and you're like, "Oh, is so that surprising?" To be honest, I mean, a lot of times we pray, and we 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 kind of pray with that. Uh, I hope it works out, or oh, I know God's got this. And again, certainly that's true. But then, why are we surprised when God actually actually answers it? I think Zachariah is the same way. He's he's surprised. He's been praying for this. Probably been praying for this for a long time, leading up to this point, and yet God answers it not only answers it, but even says, hey, by the way, here's what I want you to do. I want you to name him John. Now, again, if you've been praying for a long time, you've been waiting for a long time, you're going to have a a boy, right, as a man. You're like, oh, yes, finally got that son that I've been looking for, right? And then, so Zachariah's probably thinking, oh, I want to name him Zachariah, right? Zach 2 or Zach Jr. Nope, John. Who's John, right? wasn't that common a name back then. It wasn't, again, wasn't in their line. It's nothing that that they would have normally picked out, but John. So Zachariah's like, okay. Look what he says, verse 14. Again, this is the angel speaking. He says, "'He will be a joy and a delight to you, "'and many will rejoice because of his birth. "'For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. "'He is never to take wine.'" or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will be, he will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. All right. Remember, Zechariah is saying there, all right, now I finally got a son, and now you're telling me I got to do these things for him, right? I got to keep him from wine, I got to keep him from fermented fruit, anything that might cause him to defile himself, to become drunk. And then he's going to be the one that leads his people back, all right? Now, as fathers, we always want our kids to do better, but there had to be a little piece of Zechariah going, well, wait a minute, I'm a priest. I'm in the priestly line. Wouldn't that be something I should be doing? No, you're going to use my son. And actually, he's going to have the Holy Spirit. And, he, and again, Holy Spirit would have been kind of a, like, huh, I wonder how that works. What does that mean? He's going to have the Holy Spirit from birth. Again, it's not, nothing is lining up logically. It's like nothing before. It's something special that's going to happen here through his son, John right? He's going to lead the way. He's going to turn the people back. He's going to point them back to the coming king. He's going to get them ready for that, right? He's a, in the baseball term, he's a setup guy, right? He's set up for the closer, right? Probably never thought of that this morning, I'm sure. You didn't come here thinking, hey, John the Baptist was a setup guy for, for Jesus. It happens. Sometimes pastor comes up with some weird things, I know. All right, verse 18. Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. No, so Elizabeth wasn't standing next to him. Otherwise, we would have seen where Zachariah would have been out on the floor. No, just kidding, right? But he would have questioned it, right? He's getting along. He's like this, again, like Adam and Sarah, this is something that's not in the normal course, right? We're getting older now, We they probably kind of had put this out of their mind for the most part, but yet God is answering that. All right? I'm an old man, and my wife is long as well. Then the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you do not believe my words, which will come true... At the proper time. Uh oh. Right. Zachariah again, God knows things ahead of time. He knew well in advance. And Zechariah didn't believe all that was happening. He didn't have the right heart about it. Now again, he's an upright man, they they've already said that, but in this instance he didn't believe. And so as his punishment, he's not able to speak. Now think about it for a minute. He's a priest. Part of his duties is to speak and continually be talking, and yet now that's been taken away. So there is a little bit of a consequence for his unbelief here. Now, some of you might be saying, you wise might be saying, man, oh man, wouldn't have that been great? Right? I'm pregnant, and now you can't say nothing, right? Husband's got to be quiet. You just got to be there for me, but you can't say anything. I'm harkened. I've said this in marriage counseling more than once. Guys, save yourself the bump on the head. Do not say you can relate to what a woman goes through being pregnant. Just give it up. Just say, you know what? You're right. You ladies do something that we can't do. Yep, I'm sure it's uncomfortable. Yep, I'm sure it's painful. Yep, we have no idea. All right, that one's free. That's a, no problem. That's no charge. Um, we do not know what it's like um, for women for what you go through. But in this instance, it's a punishment to Zechariah, right? He's not able to speak. He's got to wait. But yet, there's a process going on. So meanwhile, verse 21, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out... He could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown us his favor, his favor and taken away my disgrace, among the people, all right? So he's in the temple. He gets the vision. He gets the word. He knows what to do. And now he can't tell anybody, right? He comes out after a longer than normal time, and people are wondering, asking him all these questions, and he can't communicate. I tell you, as a pastor, that would be frustrating, right? It'd be hard not to be able to say what's going on. And again, I'm sure there was some excitement. There was some fear, some unknown. Hey, I just saw an angel but you can't tell, right? You can't communicate that. How would you describe an angel without using words, right? Or, you know, it, it wouldn't make much. Yeah, maybe he drank, right? They may have even thought, you know, because he's up there in years, he might have, yeah, maybe he drank a little wine while he was in there. Maybe he's a little crazy. No, doesn't say that. I'm taking liberty there. But they realized something was different. Obviously, he was changed. It wasn't the same guy that went in. Something had happened to him. And interestingly, they go into seclusion a little bit, right? Because you know what? They must have been at least enough age where it would have been hard to explain why Elizabeth was pregnant, right? And again, he's a priest, but he can't speak, so there's not much he can do. So they go into this time of seclusion. God gives them this time of rest, time away from all the questions, probably. And again, she becomes pregnant, and again, it to save face, to, to make sure that nothing improper happened. God even had that planned out. And that's part of the details. All right, verse 26. Told you there's a lot to go on. We could dig a little deeper. There's some, some other things in here. Hopefully you'll study this out during the week. But again, I just want to kind of pull the story for you um, to make you focus this morning on, on John the Baptist a little bit. And again, more so his parents and the things that are going on ahead of time. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Right. So here we have another instance. Gabriel goes to another person, goes to Mary this time. Again, we we have the the importance of it and and where it is. And of course, Joseph's line is important. Studying the, the Jewish background, the history, right, has to come through David's line. Again, that fulfills promises back in the Old Testament. Like I said, God's been working all along to bring to this point. And so he gives her the message, and again, she's troubled. Again, angel, first reaction, afraid. This is not normal. This is not how things are usually done. And yet, the angel brings her good news, right? You're going to be pregnant. You're highly favored. You're going to have a child. In fact, you only have to wrestle with Joseph about the name. I mean, you're going to give you the name, Jesus. right? Made it simple in some ways. Yet, again, it doesn't make sense, especially where names are so important. It's another thing of the culture, right? Jewish names have meaning. They have importance. They quite often would set your, your future based off your name. I'm glad there wasn't that much pressure when we were trying to pick out names. It would be tough. Um, thinking about it, where your kid's going to end up and what he's going to be. No, but there it is. It's it's culturally important. Again, you could make or break, really, your, your kid's future based on his name. But here, God names, obviously, his son, and he names him Jesus for us. Verse 32, there's a lot more here. And again, if I was doing a Christmas message, I would park here for a while, so I'm having to keep reminding myself to keep going but he says he will be great and will be called the son of the most high the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever his kingdom will never end how will this be mary asked since i am a virgin the angel answered the holy spirit will come upon you the power of the most high will overshadow you so you so the holy one to be born will be called the Son of God. All right. So, again, some of the details. Good question, right? How's this going to happen? Interesting. We, we find here, even again, the mention of the Holy Spirit, right? Just in the birth of John, the Baptist, Holy Spirit's going to be on him. The Holy Spirit's also going to be, obviously, helping Mary through this process, going to be the one that gives her Jesus. And so, that's important to note here. Again, it's coming through. God, God's preparing, he's working through this plan that he has. All this preparation, just to that point. And so, again, we have the, the details here. Now back to Elizabeth. Again, why I read through that to get to this point, but verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be barren, in her six, is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I have that underlined and starred in in my Bible because every once in a while I need to be reminded of that, right? Nothing is impossible with God, right? Whether you're old and you're having a child, nothing is impossible. Does nothing have exceptions on it? From God, does does it, nothing have in, I mean, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know, know where you're at, or there's something you're praying on. Is nothing impossible for God? Oh, man. I I need that reminder because sometimes I pray for things, and again, like I'm sure Zachariah when he was praying, he wasn't sure it was going to work out, and and he, he said, "All right, well then, maybe if God's not going to give me a child, then maybe just help me to be content," which wouldn't have been a bad prayer, but nothing. Is impossible with God. Again, that reminder, and that reminder this morning, we need that to remember that when we pray, God is a God who answers prayer. It may not be the way we think, the way we would envision it, or the way we would do it, but God will do it in His will, in His way, and nothing is impossible with Him. Verse 18, I mean, verse 38, I mean, not going backwards, going forward. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I love Mary's response, right? Again, something totally out of the blue, out of the wild, nothing she's heard before. She has more questions, I'm sure. And then she just answers, I am the Lord's servant. Those are powerful words, right? Those are words that if we thought about it, we, we have to be careful when we say that, right? I am the Lord's servant, because we don't know, right? There's a little bit of fear when we say that, God, use me, or God, how can I serve you? We don't know what that entails, right? We don't have the details. right? We don't know what he's going to ask. And if we could be honest, sometimes that's a fearful prayer, right? I mean, I've heard people say that. you know, I don't want to totally relent and just say, because I'm afraid... I, God's going to send me as a missionary. He's going to send me all the way to Africa to live in a hut, right, in a dirt floor. Well, maybe that was just me. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll be the only one. No. Some of you are smiling and laughing, right? Because we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen if we totally surrender. But but Mary's in that spot. She, she, she's faithful. At this point, She's just I'm, I'm your servant, all right? May it be as you have said, right? She's saying, all right, this is not my plan. And so the angel leaves her, and I'm sure Mary has many more questions. But again, she's preparing now for this, this next leg or this next step that God has for her. Verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zacharias' home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. That's kind of cool, huh? kind of neat how God orchestrated that. And again, these two women who are relatives meet and they're both pregnant at the same time. And again, we know there's, a, there's an age difference because Mary's very young Elizabeth is quite older. I've got some cousins that are that way. They're, they're much older. They're, in fact, they're, they're closer to my dad's age than they are my age. right? But they're, they're both relating. They're both pregnant at the same time. But yet, when Mary shows up, spirit inside of Elizabeth. Again, it's not a common occurrence during this time. I always have to put things into context, right? This is pre-Pentecost. This is not when believers have the Holy Spirit. It's not like us today. This is something new just in and of itself, the Holy Spirit inside these folks. And so it's a shock in many ways, but look how it speaks to each other. And, and you can hear the hearts of the mothers here. Something exciting is going on. There's something coming, more than just a normal baby. These are special. These boys are going to be unique. They're going to be different. They're not like all the other children running around. And so Elizabeth recognizes that, and, and she questions, why? Why, Mary? You're Even in that stage, Elizabeth's not thinking of herself. She's thinking about, hey, Mary, your son is going to be the Most high. Again, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to her, but she recognizes that Mary's baby' is even more special than her own, right? It's unusual in many ways. And again, you miss out if you don't look at that and kind of pick through that a little bit and understand the depth that these women realize that God is at work here. And love verse 45 says, "Blessed is she who believed what the Lord has said to her." will be accomplished. I'm going to skip over Mary's song, but it's good to read. It's, it's interesting that songs get put into the scriptures from time to time. And again, it's that part of that celebration, part of that praising God for what's taking place. So I'm going to skip Mary's song. I'll skip Zachariah's song a little bit later on. But there are songs throughout the Bible, as part of that praise and worship. And again, that's been part of God's plan all along as well that we Worship him, And we do that through song, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm going to drop down to verse 56. Again, part of the story. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah, But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. You can see some of the the background here, right? The the normal thing to do was obviously to name the the son, especially the first son, and especially after so many years, and, and most likely their only son, to name him after his father. And the fact that elizabeth spins up and says no, right? Culturally, that wasn't done, right? Actually, in, the, in culture in that day, the dad named the child. But again, things are different here. God's using this because, again, there's significance even in John's name. And it's important that he's being set apart. It's not just part of the normal routine. And so she tells him no. He is to be called John. And they say to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, People were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, "What then is this child going to be?" For the Lord's hand was on him. Right. So you have this scene, right? The coming to the circumciser, coming to celebrate the birth of this baby. And again, we've had this exchange with the name. It's going to be John, and you know, Zechariah confirms it. No, no, she's right. It's going to be be John. And then immediately, we kind of, that word kind of, but it's it's instantaneously, his mouth is opened. Now again, it's been six months or more that he has not been able to, actually, no, what am I saying? No, it's not six months. It's been nine months, right? Babies still take nine months. Yeah, all right. It's been a while. Nine months that he's not been able to speak, and all of a sudden, he gets to speak, and again. I'm sure he's amazed. Because again, probably at this point, he's figured, this is my punishment. I'm not going to be able to speak for the rest of my life. But no, he's able to speak. He's able to, uh, to tell them all that he's seen. Right? I'm sure he wanted to go back to the temple. Hey, you remember when you saw me and I came out of the temple? Hey, this is what happened. This angel t-. you probably couldn't shut him up. I'm sure Zachariah just kept rattling on and on and on, like pastors can at some point. No, I'm but again, he, he's able to, to share the experience of what takes place. And I'm sure he told him, hey, John is going to have a special mission. The angel told me that we need to do these things to, to keep him from the wine and to keep him separated. He's got a mission way beyond. He's going to lead his people back. Zacharias, he's going to be greater than me in his ministry. Putting that on him. Again, the Lord's hand was on them. All right, drop down a little bit. Here we're we're working through this now. And did I give you guys the next verses? Yeah, yeah, good. No, I heard that. I heard that blank. That blank look. That because they they don't say much back there. But all right you get it? All right, drop down. I'm just dropping down 80. I just want to wrap it up with 80. Sorry. I said I wasn't going to do his song, but I just wanted to pull this last bit together. And it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared public to Israel. Again, if we follow the rest of the story of John the Baptist, right? He goes out. He gets tested. He comes back as that Elijah image. He comes back as that people that begs them to repent. Again, he prepares the people's hearts for Jesus, Jesus' ministry. He has the disciples. He, he starts the process. Again, part of that preparation for the coming king. So, what can we take from that this morning, right? You know, one, the, the preparations for Christmas can be daunting. They can be a lot, but God has a plan through that, right? you're not, maybe God has you somewhere in this process, and you're, you're struggling because you're not seeing an end to something. It's an ongoing. Maybe you have a prayer this morning that's gone unanswered. Maybe you have a prayer that you've been praying for, and God has just not answered it yet. But remember, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing even to this couple, right? Nothing is impossible. And again, as we come into this Christmas season, I also want you to just enjoy the moments along the way, right? Let's not get in such a rush that we kind of rush through Christmas to get to the, the new year. I, I see so many folks that are, you know, they want to write off 2020, right? You know, we see it. And certainly, it's been a challenging year in many ways. But don't lose sight of the moment by moment. That we come in such a rush that we, we want to just get through it. Take time. Take time to spend time with God. Take time to enjoy, to thank Him for everything He has done. Take time to be with family. Nothing wrong with that. To enjoy our family, to enjoy our kids. Take time and not forget that nothing is impossible with God. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we've looked this morning at the life of John the Baptist, Lord, and just all the prep that's taken place, Lord, and how you used his parents and the situation, all for our coming King. Lord, may we not lose sight of Christmas, of why we really are celebrating the birth of Jesus, not to come to live, Lord, but to die on the cross for our sins, that we not lose sight of that, <clears throat> that we not lose sight of with all the preparations for the celebrating the holiday that we forget the real reason that we do and the reason we live and the Lord that we serve. Lord, help us as we go out and we see others that are struggling, Lord, that we not rush by them that we share the good news with them as well. And Lord, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for each and every person that's here and just the blessing that it is that we can come together. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I got one more thing to do first. Is that all right? You guys are good. We uh, actually have a new member here at Point Way Church. Uh, The elders last week met with her and they said that she um, met the qualifications, she ran the gauntlet, she did it. I questioned some of their, their thought process, but, but Rachel Bolstridge is, is the latest and the newest member here at Point Way Church, so Rachel, if you'll come up. and <clears throat> Congratulations. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to tease her anymore, I'll probably be in trouble now when I get home, so, but... But thank you and uh, welcome her as a new member of Point Way.